Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Wednesday, July 22nd. I'm your host, Jason Moser. Today it's Wild Card Wednesday. Of course, this week we're chatting with full analyst Brian Feraldi a bit about a few healthcare stocks that he recently actually added to his portfolio. This is his real money. He's got some skin in the game here. And listen, this guy knows healthcare. So when he's putting his money behind him, you got to at least listen. Brian, good to see you. How's everything going? Jason, going awesome, and I love that this Wednesday's is a healthcare Wednesday. I, yeah. I miss the regular weekly healthcare episodes, so good to bring it back. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I feel like the more and more we've done this Wild Card Wednesday, I've enjoyed it for a lot of reasons. Every once in a while, you get some some you know freedom to go one way or the other. But I do agree with you. Healthcare is such a big market opportunity; it reaches so many different directions. Um, you know, to not have a weekly show on it is probably close to a sin. So we're going to at least try to make sure if it's not every week, we're going to do these wildcard Wednesdays as, as often as we can uh, on healthcare because we know our listeners out there like hearing about it. And and so today, as, yo, go ahead. I was going to say, as they should, there are so many attractive. Uh, parts to the aspects to the healthcare industry. It's recession uh, resistant. It's got growth tailwinds behind it. There's barriers to entry. The margins are good. There's a lot to like about investing in the healthcare there sector. There is. You're right. And, and, and uh, you know, today we're going to talk about three healthcare companies that that you have purchased yourself. So you know, let, let's just dive right in here because I, I, I like this. This is a neat eclectic bunch here. In in stock number one, you've got Semler Scientific. Now this is an over the counter. Stock, so it's not something you would find on the New York Stock Exchange or Nasdaq. That that, that doesn't mean any, anything necessarily good or bad. But just if you're trying to look for the ticker, folks, that S M L R, it is over the counter. Brian, talk a little bit about Semler Scientific and what drew you to it. Yeah, sure, this is a uh, company that I actually found about um, on Twitter. So. Plug, shout out to Twitter for coming up with great ideas. Actually, two of the stocks that I bought, uh, I first learned about on Twitter. Uh, but Semler is a $335 million market cap company, so kind of small. It's one I've talked on the show before. But what I love about this company uh, is they make diagnostic products for people who are at risk of heart attack uh, or stroke. So this is their product is specifically geared towards people who have peripheral artery uh, disease, which is when the arteries gradually become blocked due to the progressive buildup of fat. Now, that market, there are millions of Americans, tens of millions of Americans who have peripheral artery disease. However, only about 25% of them know it. 75% of people with peripheral artery disease literally do not know that they have it. And a big reason why is there's no fast easy way to diagnose peripheral artery disease. So that's a problem that Semler has tackled head-on. They launched an innovative product called QuantaFlow, which is a little clip that kind of looks like an oxygen sensor. And during your normal uh, physician annual screening, uh, they put this little clip on your finger, both of your fingers, uh, both your hands, and both of your, uh, your feet, and it measures blood flow to each of your extremities. And within five minutes of putting this little clip on, 
a report is produced that shows you how, how blood is flowing uh, to your arms and legs. And right from there, a doctor gets a visual back saying, hey, three of, these, three of these limbs are fine, but one of them, blood flow, is restricted, which is a major indication that there could be peripheral artery disease going on. And it allows the physician to take action, either surgery or with, uh, with drugs, to take that patient and significantly lower their chances of having a heart attack or stroke down the road. So that's, that's the business here. These guys are the only ones that are doing what they're doing. But what really attracted me to this company, Jason, is that they're not playing this technology on the hardware side. It's a software play. They sell access to the reports so that makes the company's financials far better than if it was just a hardware company. Yeah, well, I mean, in, in, you know, when you, when you are focused maybe on the software side of it, it they probably they're able to maybe protect what you know David Gardner will call their secret sauce, right? Maybe you can protect that secret sauce a little bit more because you know you can't you can't see necessarily behind the curtain there. They're, they're giving you a report. There's a lot of value. I love I love the diagnostics nature to this business. It makes me think of two things. Number one, you know that's a pretty staggering number there. Twelve million Americans undiagnosed. Essentially, seventy five percent of cases, folks out there who have it, they don't know they have it. Um, sounds a little bit kind of like what we're going through today, to be honest with you. Um, and it does seem like a lot of that ties back to testing and diagnostics, right? That just, we haven't really done that great of a job on, on that front. And so it just goes to show you the value in, in that testing and diagnostics. I mean, you know, not, not, Human healthcare, but but still very valuable healthcare in in animal healthcare. IDEX uh, Laboratories, a very similar style business, and, and just really owning that diagnostics market. It sounds like uh, that's the case here too with similar. What uh, you know, talk a little bit. This is a stock that's done really well. I mean, it, I, I like seeing businesses, even even if the you know even if that absolute revenue number isn't huge, and it's it's not right now, but it's growing fast, and this is a profitable a profitable business too. Yeah, that's exactly right. And again, that's what really drew me to this company. I always like finding interesting technology. And to your point there, the nice thing about the diagnostic space is with Semler, they can make the very real argument that spending a little bit of money up front to screen patients better can lead to enormous cost savings down the road. I mean, how much does it cost when somebody has a heart attack or a stroke? You're talking about tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. If Semler can prevent just a few of those, uh, that, that more than pays for the, the implementation costs of the technology. But let's get into the financials a little bit. Yeah. In the first quarter of this year, in the first quarter of this year, revenue grew 39% year over year. That's a pretty healthy growth rate. But to your point, Jason, small, small still top line, 9.4 million in quarterly revenue. So really not that much top line at all. However, if you dig into the rest of the income statement, boy, are there some finan- uh, attractive numbers. Gross margin here, Jason, gross margin on that 9.4 million in sales was 91%. Yeah. 91%. And amazingly, amazingly, with revenue growth of 39%, their cost of goods sold, sold declined year over year. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that before, where that kind of growth plus a decline in the actual dollar amounts of, of, of cost of the product. Now, take that down the income statement. We saw pre-tax net income grew 86%, so faster than revenue due to some margin enhancements. Uh, there was some wonky things going on with taxes, so earnings only grew 20, uh, 24%. But I see 
Strong top line growth. I see incredible margins. I see a net income uh, positive already. And the balance sheet looks pretty good here too, Jason. $11.2 million in cash, zero debt as of March 31st. Yeah, you definitely like to see that. And man, I tell you, when I, I saw that gross margin number and I thought, you know, that reminds me of... I mean, a few businesses that, that certainly, I know you like at least one of these um, in, in Autodesk, but Autodesk, Adobe, another company called Ansys, you see these powerful software companies that can really just generate these amazing margins uh, over, over time if, if they build something special. It sounds like similar might be on the road uh, to that same thing now. Now, in regard to the business itself, where do we stand? So, I, I, I see the name Sendler, or Semler, I'm sorry, involved in management and on the board and ownership there. Uh, we like to see skin in the game, so to speak. What's the founding culture here? What's the management uh, setup? How, how does that look? So it was founded uh, many, many years ago, and the original founder himself was a physician. He's no longer involved with the company, but his son uh, does own about 9% of the stock. The CEO here, uh, Dr. Douglas uh, Murphy Chitorian, uh, he has really been the driving force over the last couple of years, and he himself owns 12% of shares outstanding. So between those two, you're talking about more than 21% of shares outstanding owned by the management team. And that's pretty exciting because the potential of this technology is is massive. I mean, Semler believes that 80 million Americans, just Americans, not including the rest of the world, Jason, just Americans should be screened with this technology annually. That's, that's the number of people that are over age 50 that could potentially be at high risk of developing peripheral artery disease. And that represents about 300,000 doctor's offices that are potential uh, customers out there. So we don't have the exact penetration rates, but with only 9 million in quarterly revenue, I can't imagine that it's all that high. And when I see that, I think that this company has a tremendous growth runway ahead of it. Yeah, it feels like it. Um, And, you know, I mean, everything comes at a cost, right? I mean, as as much potential as the business has, what what do you see as some of the potential bigger risks for for a company like this today? To me, the biggest risks is customer concentration. Uh, the company's two two biggest customers uh, uh, represent 46% and 21% of, of sales outstanding. Customer concentration is a common issue, especially for smaller companies where one or two big customers, if they were to not become customers uh, any longer, that could seriously dent this company's uh, top-line growth. And when you're talking about a small company, too, you're also even more dependent on a great management team. So if, if I saw the CEO all of a sudden uh, step away, or if I saw one of their major customers um, no longer d- decide to buy from Semler, uh, that, could, that would blow a hole uh, in, in, in the thesis here. And as you pointed out, the stock also trades over the counter. It doesn't trade on a major exchange like the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. So that makes it stock illiquid, but even factoring in uh, those potential negatives, I like enough of what I've seen to take a small position in the company. Yeah, just, I mean, final question, we'll move on to the next stock there, but just out of curiosity, when you see a company like this, clearly a lot of potential, seems like they're really fighting a a relevant problem. Um, what What are the chances you think of a business like this listing itself on the NASDAQ? Probably it would be a NASDAQ list, but I mean, it could be New York Stock Exchange. At some point, do you feel like this is a company that'll try to graduate up to, you know, one of the one of the uh, the big leagues there that gives you a little bit more credibility? I mean, of course, there's some costs that come with it, but you think that's something uh, you'll be looking for? 
Yeah, as you pointed out, this has been a fantastic stock uh, over the last five years. It's really gone up a lot. And even today, after all that appreciation, it's still not even $500 million. It's still uh, pretty darn small. So it would not surprise me in the future, uh, as the company continues to grow and its market cap continues to decrease, if it did decide uh, to uplist. But that's not a major part of the thesis. That would certainly increase liquidity and increase the number of investors out there that could potentially purchase its stock. But that would be a catalyst ahead of this company, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, this is like one of those little uh, tiny gems. For any of you who remember our uh, way back, you know, long time ago, our, our small cap investing service, Hidden Gems. And one of my favorite features of Hidden Gems every month was Tiny Gems, featuring little companies like this that have a lot of potential. And, uh, you know, it's, it's neat to find them and, and just, uh, you know, get, get involved with them when they're, just, when they're just babies, right? You get to watch them, watch them grow up. <laughs> uh, let's, if all goes well. If, if, if the thesis works out, yes, it would be great to watch this company grow up. <laughs> if it works, if it works. Well, let's talk about one that maybe looks like it is working a little bit, uh, a little bit more obviously, at least just based on the size of the company, about a $6.5 billion market cap. But this is Novacure. Uh, this is ticker NVCR. Now, Novacure, this is a cancer Company. I mean, immediately you just know that's a massive market. You look for companies that are doing special things there. What was it about Novacure that piqued your interest? Yeah, this is a company that I've pitched on uh, this show numerous times, and uh, with with good reason. This is a company that I think is tremendously uh, exciting. So, uh, Novacure is a medical device company that, as you said, is focused on cancer. Now, most companies that focus on cancer are drug makers. Yeah. Novacure is a medical device company. I noticed that. That alone, that alone makes it extremely weird. <laughs> I mean, it, it, this is a weird company in, in a good way. Well, it but, caught my interest when I saw medical device. I thought, huh, that's a little different. It is. So what they have developed is what they believe is a brand new modality of treatment. So by modality, I mean uh, the way that we've treated cancer historically is with uh, chemotherapy, uh, surgery, and, and radiation. Novacure literally believes that it has developed a fourth modality, a brand new uh, treatment category that it calls tumor-treating fields. Now, tumor-treating fields is when a device emits low-dose electric fields uh, on the skin, and those um, electric fields inhibit cell division in cancerous tumors. Uh, it, this, is, this technology sounds like magic. It sounds crazy, but it works. It, it actually works. Their, their initial indication was in brain cancer. It's called glioblastoma multiform. And this looks like a swimming cap that you put on your head, and it has some electrodes coming off the back to a generator. Those electrodes literally create um, uh, electric fields that make it so the microtubule spindles inside a, cell, inside a cancerous cell cannot line up to divide. This is very similar to how uh, cancer drugs work. Uh, so it's just doing it with physics as opposed to uh, chemistry. Now, when I first learned about this, I thought, crazy. Uh, these guys are, are full of it. However, fast forward, <laughs> uh, I've been following them for several years. Um, they've made believers out of thousands of physicians and insurers. And I'm talking Medicare. Medicare literally covers this technology, if that's any indication for does it work? And they've produced scientific study after scientific study that shows adding tumor-treating fields to, uh, alongside the standard of care treatment, uh, extends survival rates and fights cancer better. And when you get buy-in from the the big insurers, uh, you know, and, and the government providers, I mean, you know that you've 
you've you've you've you've got you've gotten over a big hurdle there. I mean that that that's a big hurdle. That that expands your audience in, in a big way. And, and the way that you put it though, like I understand why. I mean, I, you you put it very well there. In that you know you're not fighting cancer via drugs. You're fighting it via physics. And, you know, all of these commercials that you watch with the new medicine for whatever it may be and the list of side effects that just goes on and on and on, um, you know, I mean, it makes me think of that old Simpsons and Viagra game, if you remember that episode from back in the day. But, uh, you know, if you can avoid medicines, drugs that, that offer those types of side effects, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that physics might not necessarily introduce those same types of side effects. Is that, is that a reasonable assumption? That's that is the thing that attracted me to this company the most. They, you, you, you have surgery, boy, are there side effects. You take chemotherapy, boy, are there side effects. The number one side effect with this technology is skin irritation. That's, that's the big side effect to, to, to having this. Uh, so it is, it is, there's no systematic t- toxicity with this. And to your point, what I really like about this is it's an additive technology. They're not trying to replace chemotherapy. They're trying to use this alongside chemotherapy to make chemotherapy better. So it's synergistic. So they're not, there's, no comp, there's no competitor out there saying, don't go with Novacure, use me. Every other company out there is saying, yeah, use my product and Novacure. That, that's, that, that's, that's a big reason why this company has grown as fast as it has. And let's get into the financials for a quick second here. Yeah. So last quarter, during, during the pandemic, revenue grew 39% to $102 million. So different scale, 10, 10x bigger than, <laughs> than Semler, uh, Jason. Uh, gross margins expanded. 76% now was 73% last year. And this company just, just flipped to profitability. So last quarter... 4 million in net income in the year ago period. They had a $12 million uh, net loss. So pick a number. It looked good. Well, I mean, I, I tell you, you're right. I mean, looking, looking through all of, all of your notes on the business, the different types of markets that it tackles, I mean, it seems like that technology could have so many different applications here, just given how big of, of a world, unfortunately, cancer is. I mean, like there's just so many different types, it seems these days in, in, in a technology like this, it feels like it have really long lasting impacts there. Um, yeah, to that point, right now, they are really focused on brain cancer. And they also recently won a second indication for mesothelioma. Both of those are pretty small markets. Uh, brain cancer is about 13,000 patients in the US. Uh, mesothelioma is about 3,000 patients annually in the U.S. The reason I bought this stock last week was because of the pipeline and the the potential of the pipeline. In the next five years, they believe that their label expansion, they'll be able to get label expansion claims to get this, to use this technology on brain metastases, uh, non-small cell lung cancer, pancreatic cancer, and ovarian cancer. If they can nab those additional indications, their total addressable market literally goes up by a factor of 15. Well, now the reason that I think that that's going to happen (laughs) is because of the factors I talked about before. There's no systematic toxicity, it works alongside uh, other cancer treatments, and they've already got this device through the FDA twice on two separate indications. So there's risk that those other indications might not pan out, but I think the chances of it getting through is very high. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I, I like that, that, that thinking there. And I like, I like your point that this is additive. You're not replacing something. I mean, honestly, it, it makes me think a little bit of telemedicine back in the day is understand this isn't a replacement. It's something that's trying to make the system better 
and, and, and you have that same dynamic here. I mean, this is clearly a bigger business. Like I said, $6.5 billion market cap. When you look at what they're doing today, what do you, what do you see as some of the bigger risks that investors need to at least be aware of? Number one risk is that those additional indications do not pan out. If you look at the valuation of this company today, it is clearly pricing in continued success in those other indications. It's trading for about 17 times sales and 103 times uh, forward earnings. Uh, Another risk that I could potentially see is pushback from insurers. This is an expensive product. It's very expensive uh, to use, and they bill on a monthly uh, basis. If they can't produce the clinical results that prove the, the clinical effectiveness of this technology when compared to the cost, they're going to get a lot of pushback. So if, if for example, um, you know, the, next, the, next can't, the next indication they're going to go after is brain metastases, which is a massive market. If insurers all of a sudden see the bills that they're paying for this thing and they say, well, we don't think we're getting enough um, clinical benefit from this and they pull back on that, that would really damage the thesis here. Yeah, that could be a problem indeed. Uh, you know, I was thinking just real quick before we go on the mesothelioma. Like that's the commercial you see on TV all the time, right? I mean, that's, uh, you that's get it. Law, law, law practices out there just trying to 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 cover that market from from front to back for any for any potential lawsuits there. I guess those still probably going for a while, given they're asbestos related. Yep. And the sad thing is, so in the U.S., there's only about 3,000 diagnoses every year, and it is caused by exposure to asbestos. Um, in emerging markets, uh, such as China, where asbestos is far more used for far longer than it was in the U.S. before it was banned, those rates are much, much higher, sadly. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can certainly believe that. Uh, well, let's take a look at stock number three here, because I, this was another one that it, it, it's when you look at it on on its own, it seems like it has a pretty general sort of application there in in treating chronic and acute pain. It could go a number of different ways there, but it's Zynex uh, ticker for this company is ZYXI. Another small cap uh, market cap, just a little bit under one billion dollars. So so kind of kind of in the middle between between the other two companies we've talked about today. But talk a little bit about Zynex and what attracted you to this business. Yeah, this is actually a company that I learned about from one of our regular Motley Fool Live viewers, uh, nice. Pro Shop guy, Mike. Uh, he was the one that pinged me on Twitter and said, Brian, you might want to check this company out. And I did. And I bought shares, if that gives oh, you an indication man. for whether I liked it or not. <laughs> uh, so uh, Zynex has uh, three distinct FDA-approved uh, business units. The first and the most important for now uh, is, is the non-invasive electrotherapy pain management uh, market. So this is, this is a, 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 a medical device that is used for people that have uh, chronic pain. So the pain management device is used to reduce or eliminate the need for people to take opioids by using electro, electrotherapy to uh, reduce pain in their body. What's attractive about that is, first off, it's a massive market. Uh, second off, it's easy to get, a, get behind a company that's reducing the use of, of opioids. Uh, and third, the business model for this technology is, is, is very attractive. So um, Zynex sells both the, the device itself as well as a number of consumables that are used alongside with the device. So the, the business model here uh, for 90% of their revenue so far is, is, is a razor and blade model. And we'll get into the financials later, but let's just say business is good. Uh, secondly, second, so second device 
is for incontinence. Uh, so they, they, they recently launched a product here that is a non-surgical way to manage incontinence. And similar business model here, uh, great margins, and another, another market where the consumables are the significant uh, portion of, of revenue. Uh, third is, is neurodiagnostics. Um, so this is a product that helps people to recover from strokes, spinal cord injuries, or brain injuries. So it's stimulation to help people retrain their muscles and increase their range of motion. Uh, and then finally, they just recently got FDA approval for a non-invasive blood volume monitor. And this technology produces zero revenue today, but it's going to be used in operating rooms to detect blood loss and internal bleeding. So this is a brand new uh, business line that has opened up. And when I read that, I immediately thought, well, they seem to have a great core market. And wow, are they innovative? Because they have already entered a number of new markets that are generating zero revenue right now. And that's what I call optionality. And we all know that I like optionality, as do you, Jason. Well, yeah, I think yeah, I think I think we all do, and I, I love I love the razor and blade business model. I just anytime you can find one like that. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying they're all gold, but a lot of them are really good. And I mentioned IDEX earlier. IDEX is a good example. You know, they get their diagnostic equipment into veterinarians' offices, and they use the consumables to make that diagnostic equipment work. Another good example in, in human healthcare, Massimo, uh, reminds me a little bit of similar, I guess, just in the. Uh, you know, you talked about the blood, the blood uh, oxygen monitoring, and very similar to, to Massimo's business there. But when you have a business with that type of a model, it can be so powerful. And again, I mean, this generates strong gross margins, strong growth, particularly profitable growth. And, and I see here you noted that they've been profitable for 15 quarters in a row. You cannot dismiss that. Yes. And, and again, this technology uh, has been around for a long time. It was actually, this company was founded um, by a guy named Thomas uh, Sandgard in 1996. He's still the CEO today. So 24 years later, he is still um, the, the CEO of the company that he founded. And their technology has been used to treat more than 400,000 patients uh, since, since day one. So that tells me that it's the real deal. It's out there. It's making a difference in people's lives. And I love that the, the founder is still calling the shots. Now, I teed up before that this is a razor and blade model, and you can see that shine through when you look at the financials. Revenue growth in the first quarter, 66% to $15.2 million, 78% gross margin, and net income of $2.9 million. So again, another one like Semler, Jason, where not a ton of revenue, $15 million, but almost $3 million in net income. That's impressive. Uh, and, and the balance sheet is also squeaky clean, uh, about $15 million as of the end of the quarter and no debt. And just a few weeks ago, they raised another uh, $28 million through a common stock offering to help get them through the crisis. Uh, so the financials here are, are gold. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't hold that against anyone. I and mean, this is that you're, you're hearing cash conservation in every press release and every earnings call. I mean, you, you know, that's, that's good to know that they were able to raise a little money just to put, put themselves in a good position to get past this. And I mean, it really does sound like um, technology that, that can reach a lot of different markets. I love that inside ownership. I'm, you know, it, it's a small company, seven hundred fifty million dollars. I understand that's a risk there, but what what do you think are some of the some of the the more obvious risks for a business like this that that uh, investors need to at least keep in mind? 
Well, there's a couple. Uh, none of these companies are, are risk-free, as is, as is no stock. Um, so first off, let's start with the market that this company operates in, pain therapy. The pain therapy market historically has been rife with abuse and fraud. I'm not by any stretch saying that that's what Zynex is doing, uh, but I have seen the pain therapy market in the past uh, come, come out with some unscrupulous players that do things that juice their revenue and juice their earnings, uh, but they're not right. So that, that just means that this company could be operating in a, a bad block. doesn't mean the company's doing anything wrong, and everything that I've seen so far suggests that the company's doing something right, but that alone is a, is a risk here. Another risk is the company's growth strategy. So the growth strategy is add sales reps. They're adding about 20 to 25 new sales reps per month. This company is investing aggressively in its sales functionality uh, to make its sales team larger and larger and larger so it can roll out all of these products uh, to more and more places. Growing that fast and adding that many people on is a risk. What happens if you screw up the management of it? What if you hire the wrong people? Or what if those if, what if, what if um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a growth strategy that has worked historically, but it's not guaranteed uh, to work. And then finally, um, the company itself isn't exactly cheap. None of these stocks are, are cheap. We're talking about 14 times sales and 69 times earnings. Management just raised capital. Uh, so that could tell you that they think their stock is dearly priced right now. But given what I've seen so far, the, the financials here, the story here, and the opportunity here is large enough that I thought it was worthwhile to take a small bit of my capital become a shareholder, and start to follow the story. Yeah, well, I mean, like, and to your credit, too, I mean, yeah, I guess valuation is always a risk, but, I mean, 16, 17 times sales, and I love the fact that there are actually earnings to mention, right? You've got earnings. This isn't some newfangled as, uh, you know, SaaS business or cloud business that may be growing revenue really, really quickly, but but is just as much a cash incinerator, right? You got to take a longer term view on that. It's nice to see, you know, you got some of these companies in the healthcare space growing like this and actually bringing some of that down to the bottom line. It's just it's kind of refreshing in, in, in uh, this day and age. You just don't see that as much anymore, right? All three of these companies, uh, Jason, are growing revenue over 39% quarter over quarter, have strong gross margins, have tremendous growth opportunities, and are profitable. All three of them. That's the real reason. That, that, that combined with the other factors are the reasons that I decided I'm, I'm, I'm adding to my position in two of them, and I started, I started a new position in Zynex uh, two weeks ago. Okay. Well, now, as we wrap up this week's show, and this is my... This is my tribute to uh, my colleague that I just don't get to see as much anymore, given that you know we're all working from home. But Matt Greer, Mac uh, has this the desert island question, which is always fun. You know, it typically involves some companies that are a bit more disparate. Maybe the answers are a little bit more obvious. But I'm going to present you with Matt Greer's desert island question here, Brian. If you are stranded on a desert island for the next five years. And you can choose one of these companies that you've pitched today. Understanding you already own them all, Zynex, Novacure, Semler, Scientific. What stock are you going with as your desert island pick? To reiterate, I bought all three. Yes, yes. <laughs> so to reiterate, I, I, this is you more like them a, all. This is, more, this is more of a basket approach, uh, obviously. But <laughs> yeah. if you're forcing me to choose one, Mac Greer, uh, I'm going to pick Novacure, <laughs> uh, NVCR. It's the biggest. It's the most mature. I believe it has the widest moat 
uh, of the three of these companies. It's the one I've been following for the longest, and it's the one I have the most confidence in over the long term. But if I had to pick which one is going to be the best stock performer, I would probably pick Semler. Interesting. Interesting to see that. Well, yeah, and I mean, we just like having fun with those questions. That's just a tip of the cap to Matt Greer, and, uh, and I'm always just interested to see if there's any conviction, or higher conviction in one or the other. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I love to see that, you know, listen, you, you like these businesses, you got all three of them in your portfolio. I think our listeners are really uh, happy to have had the opportunity to listen to you, uh, you know, pitch these, these companies for them uh, today and, and explain why they look like they could be great uh, opportunities. And uh, you know what, Brian, this Wildcard Wednesday thing, I love doing the health cares. Uh, so let's, let's keep that trend going next time we get the chance, okay? How about we do it on IDEX, Masimo, and Teladoc? Three Jason Moser healthcare stocks next time. <laughs> well, you had me at Teladoc, but I think that was the third one you said anyway. I like them all and own them all. So, yeah, I'm down. Let's do that for sure. I'll make sure and drop you to n- a note next time I'm on the schedule. Sounds like a plan, bud. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus or drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. You know, tell us about the stocks you're buying, ideas you have in the healthcare space or other spaces. We're always interested, always looking for new ideas for shows, and always happy to answer any and all questions that we can. But for now, that will do it. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. A big thanks to Tim Sparks for all of his work behind the glass this week. For Brian Feraldi, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.